You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Welcome to Never Never Land. We're going to bring ghosts from all over the world. Join us. Be sure to bring your death certificate. Well, take your pixies out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and we're flying away to Neverland. With me, it's Jeremy, your spider pan. And once again, I'm not flying with Lost Boy Eric today. What is with us? Where has Eric been? We're, we're, we're missing him around here, but don't worry, he'll be back very soon. But we're not going alone. We've brought our brand new pixie that I'm just talking to for the very first time ever. Woohoo! So please welcome from the Tierra Talk Show, Tammy Tucky. Hi everyone! Hi! How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I heard the in the bumper the hook, or was it the uh, the hook clip of uh, Maggie Smith saying to Never Neverland, oh, yeah. and I'm obsessed with that film. So awesome! I just love it. <laughs> awesome! Yeah, I used to use a lot more clips from that film because I mean, obviously we we were in Neverland here, so I used a lot of it. But I've kind of started mixing around doing some other things. The weird thing that sounds is, great. <laughs> the weird thing is is my wife thinks that movie is just okay. I can't believe <gasps> it. What? Criminal. Criminal. How dare she? It's I know. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't find out until we'd been married for quite a few years, and I was like, really? I, I, why didn't you tell me this before? But that's okay. I'd have married her anyway. We're, we're very uh. different on a lot of stuff. She doesn't quite understand the whole Disney obsession, but that's because she's never been to one of the parks. So. Oh, she's never been yet. Oh, she's my goodness. Been. And I've only been once, and that was enough that I'm hooked. I want to go back. <laughs> Oh, I hope she gets there at some point because, you know, it really does change your life. At least that's how I think about it. (laughs) Oh, yes. And even though she's an introvert, I know we will find a way. And I'm actually working on developing a show later where we're going to say, we'll figure out what's the best way for an introvert to enjoy the parks. Uh, I've got the fella from a a show called Disney Hacks that uh, I'm working with him. I don't know when we're going to get this show going because I've got so much on my plate right now. But... It is coming. For all of you with introvert family members and friends, we will help you bring them to the park. <laughs> Get them in the crowd. Seriously. Well, I think also, I think a lot of shows are, are a great gateway for that as well. I, I would I would even say some of the musicals that I kind of got to grow up watching in the theme parks, I think, I wish it was still there, the Hunchback of Notre Dame stage show. That was a great way because Quasimodo is an introvert. You know what I mean? You know, when you connect with somebody who you, who reminds you of yourself, that is just a, a, a beautiful scenario, especially when you're watching a show. So oh, yeah. um, I would always suggest that, but it's not there. So womp womp. <laughs> I would like to have seen that show. I That's one of those movies I think is really underappreciated. I love that movie. You would love the show. I'll send you a link to watch it because it is it was really spectacular. And I was told by um, I interviewed a couple of the cast members and I got to talk to them. And they said it was one of those times when you have the Make-A-Wish children that come to the actual show. And and, and some of them are 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 deformed in their own ways. And this is one of the only characters probably in any type of literary history and, and film history that they can connect with because they, they see that he's also deformed. But he's a human being, and he is the hero. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people, it, it was really sad that they took that away and, um, you know, because they, they saw that it really opened a lot of doors to a lot of 
the Make-A-Wish children. They loved the show. They loved the message of it. And, um, you know, it, it, it gets me emotional when I think about it. But, oh. you know, I, I identified with Quasi, too, because, you know, you always feel like you're on the you're on the inside looking out at mm-hmm. some points, you know, not always outside looking in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I totally understand him and I understand the spunkiness of Elsmeralda and the, and the, the sassiness of, of Phoebus. So it's like that, it's like, it's really a great dynamic. So if you ever get a chance to watch it online, it's the Hunchback of Notre Dame, a musical spectacular. I, I believe that's what the full <laughs> name of it was. It was on the back lot. Um, when you went on New York street, um, at Hollywood studios, it was on the back lot way, way back lot. And now it's an, indoor closed theater that they used to have the frozen sing along at and now that is moved to the um to the american idol experience stage so um it's it's still there but it's it's not what it used to be but that you know that it's you know times change and things change but maybe we might see it in the future i hope so (laughs) and well europe apparently had a full broadway style production that was touring through europe and they never brought it over here they did. They um, they actually tested it out in California, and they brought it over to um, the Paper Mill Playhouse here in New Jersey because I'm on the East Coast, so I'm closer to New York. And um, they were testing it to run to Broadway. But if you think about it, they wanted a full core. They wanted a full choir, basically, forty people wow. on the stage every night, plus the twenty plus cast members, plus the twenty five plus crew members, that type of thing, and the orchestra. And that's a lot of money going into a show that's uh, you know like pretty, um, pretty. Uh, it, it's the, the, sta- the stage was pretty bare. It was more of like up to the audience member to really get into that sense of Quasi's Notre Dame. So I got to see it and the most spectacular stage show I've ever seen in my life. And I very sad it didn't go to Broadway, but I'm blessed that I got to go to the D23 event, the Disney fan event, to see it for myself. And Ooh. like I, it was one of those things when you finally see Hellfire on stage, it's just it's like, ah, oh, the feels. <laughs> I can't explain it. I really, like, it's one of those things where I think you would appreciate it. I know I've heard rumors that they might make Hook into a, a musical. Oh, and it, great. actually, that's what it was. That was, was what it was going to be. And, you know, there were things that happened and changed. Um, and, I, gosh, I would love to see that, too. You know what I mean? That And, and now they're bringing Prince of Egypt to Broadway, possibly. Yeah, I've you know, heard. I, like, I'm so excited. Like, these are the films... I really grew up with. They're very dark and they're very sometimes depressing, but the character development and the music is is just one of those things that really wakes you up as a child. It's it's one of those things you just can't bypass. Yes, two of like the greatest emotional songs at least for an, for an animated film was "Deliver Us" from the Prince of Egypt and uh, "Rescue Me" from the Rescuers. Yes, that's the- true. <laughs> oh, and and then that one, the one song from the Rescuers. Um, Oh, that beautiful lullaby that the that plays while the little girl's getting ready for bed. That is so emotionally. I can't remember what it's called. Be brave, little one. I think. Yeah. I, that one oh. is just really disturbing too. You know, there are disturbing Disney songs, but they're so beautiful that mm-hmm. you know you kind of see past that a little bit. Um, but you do realize how it affects the character. But just that should be another list for another day. The most. <laughs> songs you know what i mean (laughs) the ones that are so emotional though that get you which speaking of which one of the things the reason why you were looking to come on to different shows is other than the fact that you have the tiara talk show but uh, you're working on an album of 
Disney covers right now. And I've been telling the Neverlanders about this, and we've had a link here in our show notes where hopefully some people have jumped on your crowdfunding. But uh, tell us a little bit about this. Oh, thank you again for again ha- again for having me. You know, first of all, um, because it's it's been one of those things where you want to get the word out about it. And um, I've never done a GoFundMe before. I've never done anything like this with an album. I just thought um, that it would be best at this point in my this stage in in life for me, particularly. I should do something that is out of the box that I really haven't gotten a chance to do and that I've always dreamed of. And that was recording an album or doing something professionally with songs that are really close to me. Now, I grew up with those uh, cassette tapes and also oh, some yeah. of the Disney theme park music. And some of those attractions I never got to see in real life, like Horizons or World of Motion or the original Universe of Energy. But those songs were just always playing in the car always playing on my little you know boom box and I loved them and it was just one of those things where they impacted me so much I was like you know what why don't I you know pay tribute to those Walt Disney World theme park songs that are never covered or have never been covered before ever and and really and really bring a different take to each one but also bring in a couple collaborations and so this was like just an idea in January of this past year. And then I really started moving forward in April. So I've been working, you know, effort, effortlessly trying to put it together because it's just me. Um, I'm doing everything um, except recording my own vocals. I am singing on it, of course. Um, but the GoFundMe page is GoFundMe.com slash Tammy Tucky. And um, on that page, you'll find out more information if you want to look at There's a two-minute video. I explain. I show you some home video clips of when I went to Disney World as for the first time as like a one-and-a-half-year-old and a two-year-old. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing and how it impacted me and how I want to do this album. And, you know, I'm doing uh, three different song, song collaborations. I can't talk today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so tired. It's been like one of those crazy weeks. I was telling uh, I was telling Jeremy off the air. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, one of the song collaborations um, is um, did you, did you Jeremy? Did you get to see the American Adventure at Epcot? Uh, no, because I've only been once back in 2009, and by the, we, we did Epcot on the same day we'd went to Animal Kingdom, and by the time I got to Epcot, my feet were in pain and we only got so far as spaceship earth and out to maelstrom and then we headed back to the hotel to rest our feet and i think we i think we did go back to the magic kingdom that night because uh, it was near the end of our our uh our three trip it was, three, it was just a three dip <laughs> yeah well because it was a three-day trip and then we had to fly back the following morning uh so we wanted to go back into magic kingdom one last time before we left the following day uh so going and resting our feet and soaking in the pool uh, over at the uh um uh, what was that? That was the retro. Um, we were in the '60s uh, area of the. Was it the Pop Century? Pop Century. That's okay. the one. I, I, I was I trying to remember it too. The original <laughs> He-Man figure up on the wall, and I was like, I Oh no! I, I, oh, I never. I never been there before to Pop Century in particular. Oh, um, it's, I it's, wish it's I had gone to all resort, the hotels. But it was nice. It's oh yeah, like it's I've heard great things about it. So I, but the only reason I ask is it was it is a forty minute show about the American uh, about America's history over two hundred span. So you guys would have loved it because it's air conditioned and it's a forty minute show, so you get to sit and relax. Yeah. But it's a beautiful show, and there's a portion in the show called Two Brothers, and it's about. Mm. 
two brothers. One's a Confederate soldier and one's a Union soldier. And they're part of a family, of course. And cannibals and they don't both, pay no mind. <laughs> yes, basically, that's right. And yeah. and <laughs> based on the song, of course, by um, Irving Gordon. And um, so the, the song was covered by a Disney cast member named Ali Olmo. And I miraculously found her a couple months back, got in touch with her, and I interviewed her. And I just thought, what if, and what if, it would be a big what if, I'm telling you. Um, I, I said, what if I got in contact with Allie after this interview and I pitched the idea to record this song 35 years later after she originally recorded it and record it as a duet this time. Ooh. And then flew her in to where I am based and we'd um, actually film it at an historic house um, that is known for um, battles that have happened on its grounds and you know really have a sense a beautiful tribute to this song and this piece in the show and so I called her up I explained to her I said I'd love to do this and she's like sure I'd love to and I kind of like fangirled and then I was talking with a friend of ours um, who was in the Philadelphia Orchestra and I found out through research like tons of research about the show because I'm obsessed with it is that the Philadelphia Orchestra actually recorded the backing tracks the soundtrack for the the attraction so I just said to him in casual I said so um Don you know uh that apparently they the Philadelphia Orchestra recorded the soundtrack in 82. Do you know anybody like any of your, any of any of your friends who were involved in it? And he goes, "Oh, that was the first gig I ever had for a Philadelphia Orchestra." I said, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah." Uh, and I said, "You're kidding." He's like, "No, uh, that was my first gig uh working in the percussion per- percussion area um and the orchestra." And I said, "That's unbelievable." I said, "Well, would you be willing to play the piano for our piece while Allie plays the guitar, she sings, and I sing. And he's like, sure. So basically, I have two original soundtrack album uh, individuals who are on the original soundtrack for this album of the American Adventure working on this one particular song out of the seven on the album, cool. which is crazy. So I'm, I'm so excited for that. And then there was um, a song. I wish, Jeremy, you had been to Epcot during the uh, Millennium Celebration because it was such a, a great time because they had this whole extra building in Epcot where you could walk in and there aren't like tons of pavilions for all countries. So in this building, they had separate sections for the countries and the whole thing of it, the whole premise of it was to celebrate the future hand in hand. So working as a community of of tons of individuals from different countries and they had this beautiful parade called tapestry of nations and the music's beautiful and oh it's just it was amazing and that's what you, you saw illuminations i'm assuming the epcot fireworks show uh, and that's what no, that came from i've seen a video oh! of it oh no i've well, seen okay. a single fireworks show actually at, at while we were there when the fireworks were going that was we took the opportunity to get on rides because everybody abandoned stuff so we tried to ride everything we hadn't got to ride during the day Oh, I don't blame you because I, I, I actually, I, I have a phobia of loud noises, so I don't actually watch the fireworks. I watch them online too, but you know, I'm just saying the, the, the Illumination show was in, was in collaboration with the Millennium Celebration. So there was this song called Celebrate the Future Hand in Hand, and it was like a gospel piece. Now, I love 
my favorite short film of all time by Disney is uh, John Henry. Yeah. And in 2000, it was Very actually, good. some of it was animated at the uh, Hollywood Studios, MGM Studios. And um, I had interviewed the voice of John Henry, the singing voice of his of his wife Polly and um, also Gary who uh, who is the leader of the Sounds of Blackness which is an which is an a Grammy award I can't talk again sorry uh, which is a Grammy award winning group a cappella group and they've worked with so many people in the business and they provided this gorgeous soundtrack to that short film and I'd interviewed them already like maybe a year and a half ago and I called Gary up I said Gary I have a song and I'd really love to do a collaboration with you in the Sounds of Blackness. Would you guys be interested? He says, yes. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I have two great song collaborations, and we had a great cabaret night that happened in August, and the people who put that together, these talented individuals, it's like 15 of us, are going to actually record a Country Bears song that maybe you haven't heard because there are three versions of the Country Bears show. There's the original version, the Christmas version, and the Summer Hoedown. And I've and, heard all three. Wow, okay, good. I have I'm a glad. collection of Disney audio. for Even though I haven't seen a lot of shows, I've got the audio. <laughs> I love, I'm glad you do because it, it's sometimes really hard to find them. So I'm glad you collect oh, yeah. them. Because I do too. Yeah, and it's like this underground thing where we all find these secret places to share our audio. <laughs> it's great because it really does, you know, it's for hit. I, I believe we're, we're saving it for the prosper, prosperity of, you know, future generations wanting to hear it. So, <laughs> but I guess you know the song, The Great Outdoors. And yeah. that one is like such a hoot. It's like a hoedown song. So those individuals from the Cabaret Night plus like 25 other individuals are all going to come in and we're going to record um, a big group number in December of the great outdoors. And I was working with um, George Wilkins, the original song composer of, of the song. And he's done other Disney uh, wonderful work for Disney before in, in the music department. And um, he's, he's gotten me in touch with the uh, original uh, violinist who played the fiddle uh, that fancy fiddle part in the song and um so he might be coming on board to work with us too so it's just this amazing it's just this amazing way of of, of really paying tribute to walt disney world and the music that i grew up with so long story short it's a crazy project <laughs> I know, i'm so sorry i'm running my mouth but um, i'm just so excited for it and there's so much going on and i i, I love to keep busy and I, I i we're hoping to have this out by march or april the album but it's going to take some time because we we need we need to pay for the equipment mm -hmm. we need to pay of course, um, the people who appear in the album, who is, you know, those who are editing the album, and it's going to be a lot of time and money, and we've raised um, a good amount, but it would be great to have any support, you know, even $1 or $5 would really be appreciated, if anybody can, um, and uh, when we have the album out, uh, it will be out, and I, I it, it's... It's going to sound amazing. I know it is. I, I doubted. I, I had doubts in myself personally because I was like, I really don't think I'm a good singer. And I was, <laughs> I don't know why. I was just being such a Debbie Downer, and I shouldn't be because I really want this project to work. And I've been working nonstop, 110 percent, just to pull it together. So, and 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 it's so great to 
be on the show to to talk a little bit about it. I really do appreciate it, Jeremy, because you know it's not easy to promote everything. You know what I mean? Right. But I've been. I think I've still got the link in the show notes. If y'all have not checked it out, when I told y'all to, on if you, I think your your YouTube is just Tammy Tucky, right? Yes, uh, YouTube.com uh, slash Tammy Tucky. My, I, I guess you're going to say that my why don't you do right my Jessica Rabbit covers yes. at two million views right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it, yeah, because you nailed it, flat oh. out nailed it. And uh, uh, I don't know if I've shared it yet with uh, Scott from uh, Disney Indiana is a huge Jessica Rabbit fan and loves that song to death. I don't know if I've I, I got to have him here that if I haven't already, because you absolutely nailed it. So you're you know not feeling confident to sing her. Believe me, after I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. So uh, it, working hard. Yeah, I, I, I always have doubts. I guess that's what every performer does. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I get so nervous for every interview, every inter- in- interview, because I think I'm not going to be good enough and, and, and be as, um, you know, entertaining or as helpful in, in asking great questions because, you know, I, I do feel like people have certain standards and, you know, you try to reach them and sometimes they're a little bit too higher for what you feel like you can reach, but you know what I mean? So, um, but you know, it's always a work in progress and you yeah. know, you grow as a person. <laughs> and sometimes you have a guest on and you just geek out about what they've done. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. And then I listen the editing. Oh my gosh, I can't stand it. That's why I, that's my, the worst part ever to edit because I can't stand hearing my own voice. So good Aww. luck to you, Jeremy, because I <laughs> I don't need to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the convenient thing is we're almost doing this in a live fashion, uh, which that's conveniently I have a just a little button I have to click right here, and we're going to wind up in the Neverland trailer park. Oh, cool. I'm All great. Right, Let's do y'all. it. <laughs> One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't. Nobody going to sing with me. Okay. The Neverland trailer park. See how simple that is. And then with another quick clip. This was I did not know this was coming. I was so surprised by this when this came out. But we've got a brand new trailer for Black Panther and Tammy hasn't gotten to see it yet. Nope. So nope, and not you're yet. seeing my screen, we're ready to rock this thing? Yes, let's do it. Alright, here goes. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up. Let's go. go, go. Uh. We are home. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide. What kind of king you are going to be? Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect. And bow down. We own ya. We own ya. We only getting started now. Cause we own ya. Just got to think they know me now. Cause we own now, you and I'm my homie Cause we own now I waited my entire life for this The world's gonna start over I'ma burn it all What happens now Determines what happens To the rest of the world 
able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. Wakanda forever! The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. Oh, yes. Now, unfortunately for the listeners, the this is a lot of music, so you don't get a whole perspective of what all is going on. But visually, this is a treat. I would agree. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a big, I would say, superhero person. I, I'm not always going in to see the films. Uh, I, I will, I will honestly admit that, but, um, I, because I have no idea who the Black Panther is, first of all, I, I never read the comics. So this is coming from somebody who only saw him through the, I think it was Adventures 2, right? Or was uh, it, uh, Captain America versus Iron Man? Right, it was Civil, Civil War. War. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's how I met him. And I, I was, I was intrigued because I, I didn't know where this character was coming from. I, I didn't know what they were, you know, setting up for. So I think, I really do think that this can be like a different avenue for a type of superhero movie because we always see the ones where it's like one group versus one group. You know what I mean? And and then the the really dark films and then the really fun films like Guardians of the Galaxy and they're really um, a mixture of both, but, you know, R-rated like Deadpool. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that this is going to be its own thing, of course. And um, I, I, And honestly, for me, I don't think we need like Iron Man or Captain America or any of them showing up in this. I think it should just be, it would be great to just see Black Panther only Black Panther and 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 the other uh, the other individuals. I would assume that there's going to be some villains. It looked like Andy right. Serkis. Um, I love him for doing Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He yep. looks like he's going to be a bad guy. Yes. And I think it was Angela <laughs> Angela Bissett. She looks like she's going to be Black Panther's mother. And mm-hmm. I loved her in Aquila and the Spelling Bee a long time ago when I saw that. You know, such a big fan of all these individuals that are listed. And it looks like some of them have never been like in a lead lead role before. And, you know, I, I guess that's another thing because, you know, we we as a society always have films that just have a lot of Caucasian individuals. And this is like an all-star cast of, of Afri- African-American individuals. I'm so excited because it looks great. And, uh, yeah, technically, visually, it looks fantastic. So I'm interested in the storyline because we don't really know too much. And I'm actually glad about that because I want to go in not knowing anything because I don't really know who Black Panther is. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really that familiar with the character other than, you know, I, I am a major, not a major comic book reader, but I've been a Marvel guy my nearly my entire life but mainly i'm a spider-man guy with some occasional lapses into x-men and so black panther i had heard of but i didn't really get exposed to it until back when disney first bought marvel and they produced a series called avengers earth's mightiest heroes which was fantastic and it brought in black panther and i started to learn about the character and uh, all the amazing technology that wakanda had that they just keep hidden away like this little utopia hidden away in africa that they keep everybody out of because they're afraid of 
I mainly because of what the outsiders could do with some of the technology they have in Wakanda and with vibranium. Uh, you know, if that's that's used for the wrong things, that it could be disastrous. Uh, much oh. like Captain Ahab on the uh, or Captain Nemo rather on uh, the Nautilus. He's got this great technology he's developed, and he seems villainous in some fashions when you watch Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. But you realize he's kind of right that if people got a hold of the technology he's developed, the things that they would do with it is entirely different from what he's trying to do. Uh, and they mm-hmm. would just bring destruction. And so Wakanda is kept very separate and guarded from the rest of the world. So as you could kind of see in this trailer, there's like this little force field of vision where you don't necessarily see. It just looks like, you know, kind of open area. And then you go through this force field. And boom, there's this city there. And so you've got uh, T'Challa, who is now king of Wakanda. And that get, makes him the official Black Panther, the guardian of Wakanda. And so, of course, now we, we you saw Ulysses Claw in Avengers Age of Ultron. That's Andy Serkis, which I love him not just for Lord of the Rings, but also from these rebooted Planet of the Apes films as Caesar. He is fantastic. And it's nice. Wait, to- Claw was in another film? You, yes, Ulysses Claw. Yes, you saw him in Avengers Age of Ultron. Did you see that one? No, I didn't even see that one. See, I am so awful. I apologize. <laughs> I, see, I'm really coming in from really, I do not, I, I really need to watch the films from Civil War on out because I haven't really seen those. I The okay. only one I've seen recently was Wonder Woman. So I, wow. I didn't even know he was in that. I, I actually now want to watch it because I love Andy Serkis. <laughs> yeah. And Wonder Woman, of course, though, is not a Marvel film. It's DC, but we yeah, still I know that movie too. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know that. I, I was just saying the only super movie... It, superhero movie I've seen in a long time wow. was that one. So um, I need to really catch up on my game here. <laughs> so did you at least you got to see where Martin Freeman has now come in? Uh, yes, as, as I, did, I do. I do know War. him. Yeah. Okay. So we get to see him there in the beginning of this trailer, and uh, I the, I am not very familiar with Eric Killmonger, who is our main villain, uh, played by Michael B. Jordan. Now the one thing I find interesting is he's got a lot of the. Uh, what? Tribal kind Michael of look. B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan is Eric Killmonger, which I don't know. I don't know anything <laughs> about him. Claw, I'm familiar with, and we saw him lose his arm in Avengers: Age of Ultron. It's going to be replaced by this vibranium sonic weapon, which we do kind of get to see him fire a little bit. Uh, but uh, so Eric Killmonger, I guess he's supposed to be from Wakanda. The one thing that's kind of weird for me is everybody has got a very South African accent going on, mm-hmm. except for Eric Killmonger is very. American style. Yes, so you can. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the deal is with that. If that's intentional, that maybe he's been in America that long, maybe he was outcast from Wakanda for something bad he had done before. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But also in the cast, we've got Forrest Whitaker. Gotta love him. Mm-hmm. And Lupita, and I can never say her name right, and Yongo, which I believe she was in uh, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, uh, as. Correct, yeah. Um, I cannot think of the name of the character. She owned the whole thing. She owned. She was like the uh, B. Arthur of Maz Kanata. <laughs> of the, uh, yeah, yeah Maz Kanata, and also Raksha in the Jungle Book. Uh, she was in the, that Queen of Kathway, another Disney film that I didn't see. Um, looked like it was a, a chess. She film. actually is from my area. She used to take acting lessons at. Oh gosh, I think it's the People People Light and Theater Company. Um, and they were mentioning her. I think this is around the time of Twelve Years a Slave. So she is from my area, which is you know pretty great. You know I'm uh, you know like she used to live around here. I don't know if she w- was born here. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, she's I thought she was amazing. English accent, so who knows? Yes, she's amazing though. I think she's so 
super talented and I loved seeing her at the Academy Awards that one year when she had like that Cinderella dress on it was gorgeous on her she looked fantastic and she had a great speech Yep, and we got a, we got some brief glimpses of a lot of these cast members in this trailer. Overall, this just adds to my excitement. I've been wanting to see more of this character, when, uh, especially after Civil War. Uh, Chadwick Boseman has been fantastic as the character so far, so I'm very excited to see where they take it. I hope that one day we can bring the Merry Mutants back into the Marvel Universe, because for a brief time, T'Challa married Aurora Monroe, also known as Storm of the X-Men. I would like to see I that. I wonder, do you think that they'll ever have a collaboration of Avengers and X-Men at some point? Because I, I know they've wish. been rebooting it. and yeah. Well, Fox, I think, is still a little uh, mad that they've lost one of their biggest franchises in the name of Star Wars. Although they still have all release rights to the original film, uh, they've pretty much lost most of their bread money here between the, you know all those other Star Wars films and all any further Star Wars films. Of course, Disney's going to release completely themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, th- I well, think well, hopefully Fox the is a bad blo- yeah, hopefully the bad blood will kind of simmer down because honestly, when you can put your differences aside on on those types of issues, you can really you can really open up doors to a new age of films. You know what I mean? I think like Mm -hmm. the superhero era is just, you know, I think it, I believe it started with Iron Man. That was like the, that was one of the things that just made a little spark, a little ripple and boom, there we go. There it goes. Back even further to where we really went crazy for this was with that original Sam Raimi Spider-Man film came at just the right time when the world was still reeling from 9-11 and we needed superheroes at that time. And that's what that followed him with Lord of the Rings. Suddenly that's the, when the geeks took over Hollywood and that Mm -hmm. just primed everything for when Iron Man to hit boom, it was on fire. It was already set. That's true. Yeah, I, I will agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was when Generation X, like me, when we became adults, we wanted this kind of movie. And so now a lot of these reboots that you're getting, even cartoons, are made by fans of the original runs. And it just makes beautiful stuff on TV. So. I can only imagine how happy they must be, the fans, to actually be a part of the TV shows. You know, mm-hmm. what's that's the dream job. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I hope we get to do the dream job of bringing Hook to the, the to, to the stage. You know what I mean? Like, Heck wouldn't yes. that be crazy? <laughs> it's it's too bad that I'm too old to play Peter Pan because I was born for that role. And oh, I will well, play hey, a heck of a good Captain play... Hook, though. Oh, that would be cool. Or Mister Smead, he has like a oh, lot of yes. fun stuff. Oh yeah. I just want to be one of the mermaids. Okay. There you go. There you <laughs> the go. The cool mermaid. <laughs> Which one was the cool one? I thought they were all pretty cool. <laughs> I like the blue one. I guess I like the blue. I don't know because she laughed underwater. But I, I don't want to be like favoritism because I interviewed all three of them wow. um, for the Hook podcast I did. And they had not talking. Uh, they had not talking. Oh, my Lord. They had not talked <laughs> together in a long time. And uh, it was great to have them all three on the call. I was like geeking out because even though that scene is like 40 50 seconds long with them they had other things they had filmed because they filmed a scene with bob hoskins um uh and other stuff that was cut because there was so much of that film not to get onto a tangent but you know that (laughs) film has a lot of uh hidden treasures and gems that have never been uncovered yet so i know spielberg uh, it doesn't sound like he's a fan of it he didn't like how the outcome came and he got a lot of flack for it Hmm. but oh i I wish i could just talk him into you know re just looking back at it and and really 
you know, understanding why it's appreciated because I, I feel like he, he, he feels like he might have let let people down for it. I'm like, no, you did it. You you did a really good job. You know I what I mean? Loved it's it from the first time I saw totally it. different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think it's time we go to a party. Ooh, what type of party? An unbirthday party? <laughs> the Neverland Podcast. Well, despite what our uh, little sweeper says, this is a Halloween party, so things are going to be a little bit scary. As you all know, we have been having a party here through the entire month of October. Well, except for that very first one where we just had Dr. Jeff Barnes, but that was still a party in and of itself. It was 200 episodes, so that was cool. But since then, we've had other podcast friends come along, and they're bringing their music in here. We're DJing this party. We're playing all the greatest Halloween songs anyone has ever heard in their lives. Am I right? It's been yes. the greatest. <laughs> so now Tammy is here, and she's brought five songs of her own to share. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> so this is great. So we have we've been talking music pretty much this entire show here because yeah, of course all the other music. But now we get to finally turn that corner. But here, see, here's the nice thing because last week. I know we really pushed it. We were diving right into some straight-up horror stuff, and we really didn't get any Disney in there. So hopefully all of you are feeling much better now. We have Disneyed you to death. <laughs> and now we're taking it right back down to Horror Street, although I, we've got some Disney influence in it this, this time. So <laughs> yeah. this is going to be a good list. But, well, of course, guest gets to go first. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. This one is called Bump of the Night, and it was sung by All Stars. And... I don't think a lot of people have heard of it because it was involved in the Scooby-Doo movie that came out in 2003, and it was only on that album. Hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, that's where I heard it from in the movie, and I loved it, you know what I mean? And, and the movie was very popular, but I'm, I'm saying that the, the, the group, I don't think, has done anything really since then, and um, the song really never hit the airways, but... Gosh, it is just so much fun, and uh, you know it's like poppy, but it, it's you could definitely tell it's a two thousands song. So, Jeremy, whenever you want to, you could take it away. <laughs> Oops, there we go. A little preview of what's coming next. Uh, yeah, I was not familiar with that song, but now, was this from the very first Scooby-Doo film, live action? Correct, yes. The one I with the, like Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's actually really good. I, it, uh, you know, you would, yeah, okay, we'll, yeah. Agree, we'll not agree on that one. <laughs> Oh, no, no, not that. Uh, well, I, I, I like, okay, so I, you know, you know how sometimes you grow up with movies that a lot of people don't like? Mm-hmm. That's me with, like, the Haunted Mansion, Disney film, Scooby-Doo. There's other films, too. And, and I don't want to be mean and just say, oh, they're horrible. You know what I mean? I like them. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I was meaning to say I really love the song. I think ah. it's really good. So <laughs> Yeah, because that film, because I grew up watching the original 60s series, Scooby-Doo. Oh, me too. And I loved it to death. And then I I, I was so excited. Oh, a live action movie of Scooby-Doo. And okay, granted in the 60s, there's some sort of accidental bits. Like uh, I've actually seen at one point where they see a crack in the concrete and Fred says, well, as Shaggy would say, follow that crack. And it's supposed to have been like it was drug humor to people now, but it wasn't meant to be. And the live action 
pushed the drug humor to intentional levels and ruined the innocence and fun to me of what that should have been. And I was really disturbed by it. And then to have Scrappy do as the villain. I'm sorry, spoilers. I, I was like, what are you guys Well, doing don't read about what the original script was going to be because uh, that was written by James Gunn. And he had a whole different thing going. It was going to be even a lot a more adult humor than uh, what you think it is. So I think, honestly, oof. what people like most about the movie, and I think that's why it, it, it it's still like in some ways pe- people just go back or drawn to it, is the cast. Because they do really great, they do a really great job playing their characters, that's you know true. what I mean? That's and, true. And, and Matthew Lillard is still Shaggy. He's the voice of Shaggy now. Yeah. So like, y- y- you would never... It. You would never think it. And and also, if you want to see something really cool, um, they deleted um, Velma actually had her own song. She thought she was drunk on some alcohol, but they weren't alcoholic drinks. Uh, and she she sings, you're just too good to be true. Oh. And it's this amazing, like Linda Car- Cardellini can sing. Like, you need to watch it. It's, it's actually really good. It should have stayed in the movie. That's how good it is. So. Mm. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about weird things and and groups doing odd things, have you ever heard of the Aquabats? No, I have not. I have I'm not. about to educate you, my dear. Okay, please. See, they even had a show on the Hub. Did you you remember that network before it became Discovery yes. Kids? Uh, Correct. The, the yes. Aquabat Super Show. The Aquabats though have been around since the '90s. They started. They were kind of a ska band, but they've kind of gone a bit more surf rock, and now their music is just whatever is fun. They'll do anything. But the gimmick of the Aquabats is that they are superheroes. And when you go to one of their concerts, randomly somewhere in the concert, some weird villain will come out and attack them and try to stop the show or get them to sell out. And <laughs> I've been there one time that they had the uh, the evil condiment men came out and there was a mustard, a ketchup, and a mayonnaise guy that came out to stop the show. And they sprayed the crowd with mustard, mayonnaise, and, and, and stuff like that. And I actually got mayonnaise in my camera bag. <laughs> but Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. But basically, if you like Weird Al Yankovic, all his original songs that he does that sometimes are even better than his parodies imagine a band that all did songs like that mm-hmm. that they're all that level of comedy and they have weird science fiction themes and they've done stuff like the cat with two heads uh a, a song one of their villains is powdered milk man because if you've ever had powdered milk and, and tried to eat it with cereal it's awful you know stuff like that so mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're really fun they have a song about a pool party about pizza day just fun fun stuff and a few years ago they put out an album called charge and even a music video which is pretty hilarious and it's a little bit of parody on some people who basically they spend a lot of money in these outrageous fashions and like the in some fashions they seem to be goofing on the goth look because they seem to uh put, put a lot of money into looking like they're dead and they refer to them as fashion zombies don't trust in Heck 
keeps jumping ahead on me, doggone thing. No, but- it's okay. <laughs> that sounds that sounds interesting. I, I you know, I, I wasn't really into the to a lot of the rock scene when I was younger, but like I'm slowly getting into how you know different types of bands, and I actually really I'm really digging that sound. <laughs> oh yeah, the Aquabats are fantastic. They haven't put out a new album in a little while. Even on their last album, though, they did a song dedicated to the um, oh uh, the Luck Dragon and Never Ending Story. So the, all just fun stuff that they do. Uh, they're currently, I think, they are still touring. Uh, they for a while they did have a YouTube channel. They were doing some different things. But uh, if you can find, if Netflix still has it, they did have the first season at least of the Aquabats Super Show, uh, and it was a lot of weird, quirky kind of fun. Uh, basically, it's if you took somewhere with a goofy Japanese anime and like old B movie horror or science fiction and threw them together with some wacky superhero people, uh, that's pretty much the, the level of fun that they brought around. And it's it's just silly. So, yeah. And, of course, it's a zombie song in, in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, those <laughs> zombie songs, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. So, And the video is really hilarious because it's, it's you know, the, the Aquabats are called into emergency and they're driving like an ambulance. It's modified. It has the Aquabat symbol on there. And they go off to fight this these gangs of weird, fashioned type people that are fighting each other. And in the end, unfortunately, the Aquabats get taken by the zombies and become fashion zombies themselves. It's, oh, my gosh. It's a lot of fun you can find it on youtube but i absolutely love the aquabats oh god well i i'm going to check out that song when we kind of wrap it up because I, oh goodness gracious that actually sounds pretty cool uh-huh. so I'm, I'm glad i'm i'm excited to hear the whole thing oh yes and once you get hooked on the aquabats you're going to be laughing your way through their entire catalog i'm excited yeah i love anything that's kind of like you know tongue-in-cheek so mm-hmm. totally up my alley and this is actually the lead singer and songwriter for the aquabats actually created yo gabba gabba Oh, really? Yeah. And oh actually, the Aquabats goodness. have appeared on Yo Gabba Gabba a couple of times. I'm shocked. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yes. It's this entire hidden empire that only few of us know about. And now you know it, too, so you are in the club. Oh, you boy. can become one of the cadets. We oh, I, I, I had no idea. Well, then now <laughs> I'm going to look at that in a different way when I'm babysitting my cousins and watching the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah I, well, I, I used to watch the show... Uh, occasionally when I babysat them, but, uh, you know, I, sometimes I babysit other people and, and their, their kids. And so, um, you know, they, they would have different shows on and I did like the music aspect of that show. So, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but maybe next time you never know. <laughs> yeah. So what's next on your list? Next on my list. Okay. So, um, I love the Haunted Mansion as most of us do. So oh, yes. I kind of didn't want to go right for the main thing grim grinning ghosts right. i actually i've never gone to this attraction before in person but i watched a video on it and i'm i'm entranced by it because i i totally want to be able to go to disneyland paris and ride phantom manor which mm-hmm. has a different storyline to haunted mansion it's about a bride who's been waiting for her groom who obviously probably might have been killed by some phantom yeah. and um, there's apparently this beautiful theme yeah apparently either Dude. her father or some other devil-like creature um but she has this sad you know theme that is similar to the original haunted mansion theme written by john debney who a lot of us know for doing the soundtrack to hocus pocus i interviewed Mm -hmm. him too on the tr talk show if you want to take a listen to that and also 
the uh, soloist of Melanie is Catherine Lynch-Meyering, and so she um, plays Melanie Ravenwood, and I interviewed her as well. So she got to go and record with this huge orchestra, which, which is what she was telling me, and it's beautiful. So go ahead and take it away. <laughs> I got to say, this absolutely gives me chills when I listen to it. It's one of those, it, it, it's it's so pure. Like, her voice is so pure uh, mm-hmm. against the horror of the theme itself. And I've always wanted to cover that one, too. You know, I, it, it's just one of those things that's so pretty. And her voice is stunning. I, I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard it on its own album. I'm like, oh, Catherine, go record your own you know material and she performs as an actress so uh i hope i get to hear her again soon at some point but definitely check it out if you're and check out the ride you know what i mean like you can watch a ride through of it it's not going to be as good as being there but it's it's something totally different yeah (laughs) it's it's very beautifully done and the orchestration it's still grim grinning ghosts underneath but it's got so much going on top of it now that it oh wow when i first heard it from like the 30th anniversary haunted mansion album and i heard that entire run through even with the vincent price i was like oh my gosh i didn't know it was like this i totally want to see this now uh Mm -hmm. and because it's it's this it's beautiful and gothic and scary and still sends chills down me when when they get in where she starts even singing along with the grim grinning ghost theme there at the end of it i'm like oh wow it's like that you can't help it and Mm -hmm. and also a note there um the they kind of combined both the haunted mansion story and the big thunder mountain railroad together in this part of the park so read into it because it's fascinating because you you don't know for sure if it's maybe her father is the phantom or another evil spirit i I love reading into it the the history into it i think there's a documentary online about it too so yeah i've I've seen some ones where they went into the story because they were supposed to be the mine was on indian territory and the indians had cursed them and this earthquake happened and killed everybody in the town and so the bride was actually going to marry her sweetheart that her father didn't approve of and the ghost mm-hmm. of her father showed up says no you will not marry him in fact i want you to join me in death and murders the husband or the the, the well the fiance and the bride never knows and she wanders the house wondering whatever happened to him where is he at the wedding and all of her wedding guests turn out to all show up and they're all dead and ghosts and so it you know drives her to her own grave and i, mm. I the way i've kind of imagined the bride when i look at it is it's you almost you know you hear like the haunting stories where a ghost is supposed to be reliving their final day over and over again and that's the way i take that that ride is like they're presenting a story of like you're going to see this story as she's reliving it in her death and as in her ghosthood you know over and over again reliving this horrible tragedy so oh it's a very spooky spooky type of ride and i i really want to check it out one of these days she's haunted by that creature in the darkness and i think maybe that segues into your next song is it Oh, I don't yeah. It, it almost does. Uh, are you a bit of a gamer? 
Yeah, in a way, yeah, definitely. I like trying anything. I, I try my best. I'm a, more of an arcade girl, but I, I try, I try, you know, the game, not the Game Boys. That was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I try, I try more of a, the other games that they have out there now, best I can. You know, I'm not that good, but. <laughs> well, back on the old PlayStation One, uh, now there had been a series called Alone in the Dark. There were mainly computer games, and then Resident Evil came along and really set the standard for a survival horror game. Uh, well, the makers of Alone in the Dark decided they needed to step up their game and made Alone in the Dark a new nightmare and reformatted their style of gameplay to more match something close to Resident Evil. And this game, you pretty much wander around the dark with nothing but a flashlight as these horrible monsters suddenly can appear. And this game would mess with you psychologically and it would occasionally jump scare, just flash an enemy right there on screen and then it would be gone and thunder would roll and because nothing was there. This game messed with me so much that my wife got into it with the story and we would, you know, I'd be playing it, we'd be watching it together. But this messed with me so much that one... Uh, I was in, you know, that what I call la-la land of almost asleep, but just a little bit awake. I was lying in bed there, and I swore some horrible creature jumped up over the over the side of the, on my from my wife's side of the bed up to the bed, and I hopped up hollering bloody murder like I had to fight this thing off before it killed us or something. And of course, nothing was really there. But that's the game had affected <laughs> my brain then to where you know monsters were attacking me when I was trying to fall asleep. But mm-hmm. in the credits of this is a wonderful song simply called "Alone in the Dark," and What's cool about this is, all right, Stuart Copeland, the percussionist from The Police from back in the 80s. And also Jimmy Wood from Imperial Crowns, which I'm not familiar with him at all. Although I suspect I've heard him his voice in some other songs. I don't know if it's not, but I was just playing through Injustice the other day again. And the credits, I, I sounded like his voice a little bit uh, in in a song that runs during the credits of that. But So this is a really great, you know, sometimes video games have really good songs. I mean, even uh, yes, Prince of Persia, do. The Sands of Time, the ending song on that is fantastic. Uh, but this song has become part of my Halloween set after I found it online because it's it's really good. And I, I guess there's nothing left to do but to play it. And the verses are even scary because it's talking about well, something is in here, something is clutching for my, it gets close enough to feel my breath. Something is in here, did something move? Something is clutching for my death. It's all these scary things. But then I love the the last verse of it. But somewhere inside, the light goes on because I know the night will be long. But the long, but it will be long to those who can take up the tools to tear down the darkness. And it's like this great wow thing in goodness. the oh, it's like. Lyrically, it's even really good, and it has this scary panic of "No, not this darkness!" And oh, it's, I, I think that I loved it. It sounded like it had a real nice '80s feel to it. Yes, well, Stuart dare Copeland. I say? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I ever since I when I first heard it on the game, I was like, "This song's amazing!" So I had to track it down online, and luckily I found it. So now every Halloween, I I gotta fire it up. I'm like, "Yeah, that's right. This is great." So. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, my, my nerd really flag good. flies. My, I, I pull games. I pull music from games. I even from well, my Halloween I, collection. I, I, you know, I didn't even think about that because oh, there yes. are some games that I, I feel like I see. I'm looking back now. I'm like, I probably would have added a little bit of a song here and there, that type of thing. It's kind of hard to stick to a five five <laughs> song list. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know. know how tough it is. Well, and like, yeah, otherwise we'd have one, a two hour show. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the next one I have on my list is uh, the Ghost and Mr. Chicken theme song by uh, Victor Mizzy. And a lot of people know him for doing the actual theme song to the Adams Family, you know, da 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 da. So I could have chosen that one, of course, but um, the Ghost and Mr. Chicken, I feel, is just a fun, groovy. 60s, 70s type of theme that you don't really hear nowadays, and of course it's Don Knotts, and it's yeah. it like it matches his personality. So there you go. <laughs> And no one can see me doing my little groove dancing over here. <laughs> I actually was just watching that. It was part of uh, Sven Gulli was actually showing this last uh, last weekend. Oh, was he? Okay. Yep. Well, I, I just thought uh, we, we had just seen it. I we Well, my, my dad and I, we had seen it years ago, but we introduced it to a couple of our friends last year. And they we, we just could not stop laughing. We had a great time with the movie, watching it together. And whenever something goes wrong, we like to play that song, you know, you know, like that type of thing. So uh, that that's a uh, we like it. It's a great tune. So. Yeah. And that's the thing is you got like this really scary element of the film where it's like supposed to be this haunted house of this horrible grizzly double murder has gone on or whatever and but anytime don Knotts is going in and about to be scared by something you know it gets it's goofy. Like a scooby-doo episode yes. wasn't he on scooby-doo at some point yes he was okay that's what i, I was like star stuff yeah that's what i thought i faintly remember him being in one of the episodes and and then another one sandy duncan like goodness mm-hmm. gracious i want to watch them all again <laughs> yes great stuff and what's what's creepy although so it's like you go from that happy thing and then they have that organ music where the organ is playing by itself it's creepy. And the blood won't wash off the organ so yeah, it's like it's perfect Halloween movie because it's got that scary, but it's got that light humor fun. Uh, I love that movie. It is a great one. It is. I love it too. Speaking of other movies that I do enjoy, is The Nightmare Before Christmas, which it took me a while to really in- appreciate the movie because I had such high expectations when I first saw it because everybody was like, "Oh, it's a, such a masterpiece movie," and so I had hyped it up in my head really big. That I would, I'd hyped it up so far that when I first saw it, I it, it didn't live up to what the hype had been, and I ended up falling asleep during it. But as I've watched Ooh. it I, every year, I go in and watch it again. I'm like, you know what? This has a great dark sense of humor. This movie is really funny, and I've enjoyed it more and more every year that I watch it. And one year I happened to find there's a, a double soundtrack where you have the regular soundtrack of the film and then you have Nightmare Remastered as a second disc where a bunch of other artists recorded songs. And we, we talked about this uh, earlier in the month as we played Marilyn Manson's version of This is Halloween. And in a similar Oh, yes, vein, I've heard that one. I love that one, too. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard this one, this is Kidnap the Sandy Claws of all groups by Korn. And oh, my gosh, they nailed it. 
Just for going to set some bait inside a nasty trap and wait. When he comes a sniffing, we will snap the trap and close the gate. Wait, I've got a better plan to catch this big red lobster man that's popping me in a boiling pot. And when it's done, we'll butter him And the, the whoops, the really cool <laughs> thing about that is the guitars are even trying to match the orchestration in it. Yes, you can you can hear the quality and they, mm-hmm. they had fun with this. You know, when you're asked to cover a Disney song or, or just a song in general from a film you love, you're going to like give even more and put even more effort into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you could tell that they were having a ball because that is such a catchy song. You know what yes, I mean? It is. And even when it first kicks up, cause it starts out, which is the actual, you know, the music from the, from the movie. But then when they kick off and they hit the get the major guitars and they're going, la, 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 <laughs> they go for it. And it's like, this is awesome. So, <laughs> I would actually like to go through and recut the audio a little bit in the movie and just integrate some of the songs from the revisited into the film because I think they would still match perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just for a different take on it, especially because, uh, and I, I hope this comes up later this month. I'm hoping on Heather's list she'll have this. Uh, Heather's my wife, by the way. Uh, we call her the Wendy Nerd. Um, but I love what Amy Lee from Evanescence did with Sally's song. And I almost put it on my list, but I was saving it because I thought my wife would put it on here on our next episode. So I hope I hope she's got it on her list. But it is gorgeous what she did with that song. It is. That one is really pretty, too. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I, I, I'll explain with my very last song. But I'm going to, with the next one, again, I'm going to refer back to The Haunted Mansion 2003. Um, not the most popular Disney attraction adaption to movie uh, and film fun, though. i still i i really like it i have interviewed nathaniel parker master gracie oh, uh, dina cool. waters who was the the maid in it emma the maid um marcia thompson thompson um and she played um uh, master gracie's long lost love and sarah evers and uh uh i have another upcoming guest too and also don Hahn, the producer so um you know i i, I really do appreciate this film i i the the quality in the sets and costumes is just fantastic yeah. and and you know i feel like if they had given it a chance maybe later down the line they maybe would have given it more leeway to be a little bit more scarier but other than that i i really love this score i kind of wish you know how they incorporated the hans zimmer extra tracks and uh from the pirates of the caribbean into the attraction Mm -hmm. and outside of it i really do wish i know it sounds horrible oh how dare they remove the original soundtrack of haunted mansion i actually i do feel like the quality of this soundtrack for the film is worthy enough to incorporate outside of the mansion and possibly inside the mansion but that's just me so why don't you guys make your decision here's a little bit of the theme from the film And a 
fun fact about that is the album was never officially released. Yeah. So it's finding online. them, yeah, it's online, <laughs> and that's why I was shocked because I was like, oh my gosh, this album is the music quality is gorgeous, and I and I okay, I I will tell you uh, my secret guest um, is Mark Man, uh, Mancina, and he was the orchestrator to that, and you know him from Moana and mm-hmm. other Disney films he's done, Brother Bear, Tarzan, um, and but he he said that they really went all out to get an orchestra a really nice orchestra a nice area to record a nice sound studio basically to record this track and they really they, they didn't need to and and they did go for it and i'm and i'm glad they did because it adds another element to it and i think it does help the film in a in a great way so there we go that's my that's my soap soapbox you know mentioning naming and everything <laughs> yeah and even for people who really don't like the movie and it's it's not great but it's still fun but the opening of it with the music and the, the oh, tarot card my is gorgeous and i love the darker and scarier version of grim grinning ghost that they managed to do at the beginning where you hear the dun, dun, yes. dun. oh my gosh it's so good and you know Ooh. i think a lot of people don't realize like they they deal with um they deal with a serious uh touchy subject of of race in the film yeah, I know do. it's not like completely brought to life, but you know, I, I in, in in you know, in a lot of other films, they 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 really um, talk a lot more about it, which I understand. Um, and this is a kids' movie, so you can only kids don't really see race. You know what I mean? So I understand what they were doing, but they do bring it into this aspect of the film. And and I always say, you know, you don't really have um, an African American gr- family featured in a horror film because you know those silly tropes. You know, you know, the girl runs down the hallway. She always gets killed or, you know, it's it's, you know, the African-American side character never gets to live as long, you know, that type of thing. But it really shuts that down in this film. If you think about it, you know, they all survive. (laughs) Spoiler alert. But, you know, and and it's great because you get that dynamic and Eddie Murphy. He's just funny. I just love him. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, there are good things about the film and I really like it. So there you You go. You got to focus on what's good about the film and kind of overlook when when you when the things it kind of laps because the first time I saw it, I thought you know what well, this is a fun film and it wasn't until you know like a few other viewings like yeah this isn't everything I would want it to be but it's enough to where I can still enjoy it as a fan of the attraction and the the sets are gorgeous the house is fantastic i love a good movie set haunted house like the remake of the haunting i love their sets on that as well Gosh, yeah they're, they're beautiful and gorgeous mm-hmm. i think it's like that the appreciation for it because not all of it was cgi yeah. and and another thing is if you would have been at walt disney world around 2003 you would have been able to see the set yourself at the studios because oh. they had they recreated it, and it wow. was gorgeous. They had the organ um, from the organ room, um, some of the sets and 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 props and and dresses and costumes and that type of thing. So, and I saw it once, and um, I faintly remember it. I'll t- I have found a video clip of it. I'll have to send it to you. But yeah. like you know, that appreciation and work, and there's so much hype that went into that. Oh, and you yeah. know. Um, Captain Nemo's couch is in Master Gracie's um uh, um uh what's it called or whatever yeah yes. it's in there it's that red beautiful couch that mm-hmm. they reused so that's pretty cool too yeah it so. is and that, that, cool. that's what's great about these haunted house type movies is how they can do this dark beauty where the house is beautiful but yet scary looking at the same time I I love that. 
and the secret passageways. <laughs> yes. See, that's when I when I become wealthy and famous, you know, for because that's what Neverland is going to do for me. So, I'm going to build a house like that that has that beauty but scariness to it, just so I can invite people over for Halloween parties and have the coolest party ever. Oh, ditto! That would be so much fun. Oh, I'm yes. a <laughs> and then, of course, when you decorate it for Christmas, your house is beautiful anyway. So when you decorate it for Christmas, it'll just be even more beautiful. Like, I even love the house from the Casper live-action film. That was actually really great, too. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, I guess the quality is is just so rich and detailed. It, it, it makes you appreciate the work that goes into that. And, you know, the, the tomb scene, too. I it Like, you know, when I watch it, you know, I'm having fun. I, I am scared with those zombies and everything in that tomb mm-hmm. and the the, the makeup, oh my gosh, because I know the makeup artist, I, I, I forget his name, I apologize to him, but he's well known for his zombie uh, uh, zombie films that he has done with makeup. So when they snagged him for the the film, everybody was like, wow, great, cool, you know what yeah. I mean? So. And they were some scary zombies, that's true. Oh boy, they were. Oh, I remember yeah. I did not like that scene. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Yeah. See, they still have some scares in that movie. It's just maybe they needed a few more to make everybody happy, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess they could have. I, I would have if they would have gone the pirates route and made it PG thirteen. Yes, you know what yeah. I mean. Well, maybe should... Guillermo del Toro will go that way for us. You never know. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> Let's see. But speaking of a movie that's funny and yet has some good scary moments, and in, including the what I call Ghostbusters three, but it's the video game has really scary moments in it. But this this song is. Other than Monster Match, this is the granddaddy, although it's not my number one on my list. This is like the granddaddy of Halloween songs for one of my favorite movies ever. And I don't even have to say the name of it. When I hit this button and you hear this, you'll know what it is. Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Everybody sing along. Here we go. Something weird and it don't look good. Who you gonna call? Yes. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And of course, we're familiar with the the Ray Parker Jr. song. But now, the fun part about that song, when you listen to it, listen to it back to back with Huey Lewis's "I Want a New Drug." The story goes, they wanted Huey Lewis to do music for Ghostbusters, but he turned it down. And they, but they still really wanted the feel of a Huey Lewis song. And so when you hear it, you can kind of hear, do, 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 do. it's very similar to, I want a new drug. It's like the same chord progression and everything. And so there was actually a lawsuit between Huey Lewis and Ray Parker Jr. over this song. Oh, boy, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, mm. and I, I, I was so amazed when I first heard it. I went and I listened to I Want a New Drug, and then I went and listened to Ghostbusters, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you can hear it. It's there. So uh, I, I don't know how the lawsuit actually finally went ag- across, but I have a feeling Huey Lewis may have won it and got a little bit of royalties on this song. Uh, but the song Ghostbusters still remains popular, and even with the, the new movie that was Gosh Awful, uh, there's some pretty cool covers of the song, about two or three different covers, I think, even. That yeah, are I did hear good. them. Mm-hmm. I thought like the intro cover that they had for the film, the newer version, was like great because it led up to this crazy scare and then there was really nothing, you know, that happened. But um uh but I, I did like those new covers, but gosh, this 
original one is the best you know what i mean i just Mm -hmm. i just remember going to the halloween parades at the school and when this song came on oh i was grooving i have like a dance for it Mm, (laughs) yes i love it it's my favorite (laughs) all right now we're ready for our number one picks and i say every time i should have come up with a fanfare for this so all i get is number one Well, I, I didn't know if we were actually doing this in order from one to five. I, I, I couldn't really, I would never put these in order because I love them so much. Um, and I and I actually, you know, I, I wanted to go for obscure, especially because, you know, not a lot, you know, the typical Halloween songs, you know, everybody knows. And right. so I just wanted to kind of broaden my horizons a little bit this time. That's kind of so, what I'm um, doing this entire month. I've been hearing songs that I wasn't familiar with, so I'm loving it. I'm getting I know, songs. me too. I can't wait to, like, listen to the, the, the full versions of the ones you have. Mm-hmm. But, um, so for me, I believe, and this is going to be an un- unpopular opinion, but I believe Corpse Bride is far superior to Nightmare Before Christmas. And um, I adore the film. I, I do see there, yeah, of course, there's flaws with every film. Right. But um, I I love the way that they take this story and they have two female leads, a a male lead, and and they have like this emotional, really upsetting story involved, Mm -hmm. but they show that the living are, are just as bored with life but the dead are so happy with the the joyous uh, you know kind of like uh, a day of the dead type of thing that they get to go with every day of their lives so um, this song about when you're dead exactly so they sing a song remains of the day and the 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 story about this one is danny elfman wanted to get somebody who had like a a scratchy voice and could really you know really sing and bring out this song and he couldn't find anybody and tim burton was like just do it you know you you did you did you did jack skellington's voice just go ahead and do the the voice of um the the skeleton uh leader um i can't remember his name i'm going blank but anyway he said he went in he recorded it for a day and he had no voice for the rest of like two weeks or something like that and this is the song remains of the day from corpse ride sung by danny elfman and written by danny elfman (laughs) Corpses of cheer, least those of you who still got an ear. I'll tell you a story and make a skeleton cry of our own jubiliciously lovely corpse bride. I just like how they refer to saying, you know, yeah, we're all human beings and we're all going to fight, but hey, we're going to be just flesh and bone. Oh, not even flesh anymore. We're going to just be bones by the end of it. So I love that. I love that feature and line in it and it gets a little bit darker so definitely check it out it's part of the storyline if you've never seen corpse bride i'd encourage you to watch the film because that song specifically has a, a key uh portion of storytelling in it mm-hmm. so um yeah i would i would definitely check it out if you like nightmare before christmas i believe you will like this one a, a lot more um and uh, uh you never know you might maybe you do maybe you will maybe you won't but i really i really do enjoy it <laughs> yeah and surprisingly it's actually a really good mystery too yeah, I think I was always scared by this song because it, it goes into the murder of the bride. And mm-hmm. so I was like, 
I didn't understand it when I was younger, and and gosh, the ending scares me to death too. Um, but I, 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 and the voice work is great because it's Helena Bama Carter as the bride, and Johnny Depp as Victor, the lead. Tracy Ullman's in it. Um, oh gosh, what's the guy's name who was in um, Big Fish and Aaron Brockovich? I can't remember his name, but well, he's always he's always in Tim Burton's films. But there's so many people like an all star cast in this thing. So you know, it, it's it's really really fun. Yeah. And then Michael Goff, who was Alfred in the original Batman series that Tim Burton had gotten started back in 89. He's got a part in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. Oh, gosh. He, he's the head uh, skeleton guy. Oh, it's yeah, so sweet. He's, he's like the wise man shaman, whatever sort of thing. So, yeah. Scotch. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I've got it on DVD. I really should sit down and watch it again. I think you would really appreciate yeah, it for the, the of like course, the craftsmanship is, is it's, yeah. it's really great to watch it. And, and um, yeah, it, it, and somebody actually, I have to send it to you. Somebody posted um, a beautiful um, song collaboration of, of, of Emily's theme in Corpse Bride and Sally's song from Nightmare Before Christmas and combined them both to make Ooh. it like it was the same character. And it's gorgeous. Like some girl just, and she wrote her own lyrics for Emily's theme. It's gorgeous. I have to find it and send it to you because I listened to it and I went, oh my gosh, I thought this was real. <laughs> wow. It's great. So Yeah, I'm, th- I'm interested in that now. Okay, so for my number one, I'm doing slightly a little bit different. Uh, this is actually by a band called Nightwish. Now, if you're not familiar with Nightwish, I'm not surprised unless you live somewhere in the European soil because they're actually from Europe. This is one of the first, well, basically a metal band of sorts that decided they wanted their vocals to be done by an operatic trained woman. And so they've combined this operatic style vocal with this kind of metal music, and it's fantastic. This is the band that inspired Evanescence. So if you kind of notice like the great kind of very high quality vocal of Evanescence with that kind of rock and metal style, Nightwish is where that came from. I first came across this band and actually uh, there's this old uh, Christmas, not really special, but it's a it's a, about a short film called The Snowman. And there's this beautiful song called Walking in the Air. And I, it sprang to mind when I said, golly, I wish I could find that song online. I remember that song. And when I found it, I, I accidentally first, before I found the, the real one, I found Nightwish's cover of it and i was like wow this is amazing and then just by happenstance i found out that that's not the only old song they'd covered they'd also done android lloyd weber's phantom of the opera not the entire musical or opera whatever it is but the theme song phantom of the opera done by nightwish and i think that they translate more what this whole show should feel like because i've i've read the book a few times the book is fantastic i think the uh stage play is okay it doesn't live up to the book the movie i thought that they did here recently didn't live up to even the stage play that i've seen uh but this this is one of the greatest villains literary villains i've ever read this this guy puts every james bond villain to shame but they seem to keep wanting to do this pitiable character too far and they kind of ruin a great villain by making him that pitiable. Now, there is a bit of pitiable too at the end, but basically what you have here is a, an albino who's got very sunken features and his face is very skull-like. And uh, But he is a genius. He is very wealthy. He has been a booby trap security designer for a uh, – oh, what do you call the wealthy people in the, in the Middle East? Um, 
yeah, a Maharaja or whatever. He's he basically used to design traps to keep his enemies away and all this other stuff. And eventually, this guy Eric goes and builds an opera house and builds this underground lair because a lot of people can't really accept his face because he is very frightening looking. But he uses his frightening visage to control the opera house to make it run the way he wants to in the book. And it's a very very scary book actually. And I don't think they've really translated the fear of it. But this version of Phantom of the Opera brings the fear back. So let's take a listen here. And as much as I like um, uh, Michael Crawford and his singing when you hear like the cast version, which I do have that cast album, I love the gravelly, evil sounding sing once again, you know, that the guy brings to it. Uh, yes, I, I have heard that, I've heard this one before, too, and I really enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I no, just no, wanted to ahead. say I really do. En- I really do enjoy this one, too. <laughs> Yeah, it is a great one, and uh, I don't think my wife likes this as much as I do. I, you know, I think she likes Michael Crawford's voice very much. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I would agree with her on that part. I, I do love the Phantom of the Opera. I didn't again. That was another thing I forgot to put on my list, <laughs> but I'm glad you did. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is one I had to put on the list because I love it, and it's one of the ones that I have to listen to it at least twice over because I'm just wow, it's so good. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, I mean the guy is brilliant with his music writing and the music is fantastic and I would really like to see a Phantom of the Opera film where they use Andrew Lloyd Webber's music as scoring in some fashion but yet told the story that's in the book because it is a frightening tale uh, and really really good <laughs> and especially when you, you have characters that were left out of the stage one like the Persian who is basically someone who's come from Persia where who's known Eric and knows that Eric has this habit of obsessively stalking women and usually he's ended up killing them so you know that you know Christine is in yeah. serious danger the entire time, and that's something that I felt was slightly lost in the stage version when I saw it. And so I, like I said, I would love to see someone do the actual story from the book, and maybe use Andrew Lloyd Webber's music as a, a basis for the score of it because the music is so good. So I think you would like. I'm going to make a movie suggestion now to you and the listeners. Um, if you've ever, you know, Freddy Krueger, um, mm-hmm. the individual who plays him, um, but he actually did his own. Phantom of the Opera film in 1989. And you actually enjoyed and it? I loved it. I, wow. It actually is different. It is. If you've never seen it before. You've, have you seen it? I saw it when it came out because I was like, you know, I, I'd actually become familiar with Phantom of the Opera back in the fifth grade. Uh, the okay, teacher, so you, you were obsessed it, so. with it. So, yeah, we've listened to the music and, and that's where I really started to appreciate and I started to listen to more film score and I started to appreciate that style of music and from what the story was, I was expecting something like that and then to see the, the Freddy Krueger one or Robert England one, it was so different and it is frightening but it's also very grotesque and yes. I mean, it's got some interesting elements but it's also got some, what the heck is this? But problems. it's different than like every other one that is put out because it always is pushing the Phantom and Christine together. And in a way it does, but then in a way it pulls it back and you really are rooting for Christine to live. That's what yeah. you're rooting for. Not for her to end up with Rao or whatever character it Raul, is, Richard. Yeah. Raul, sorry. Mm-hmm. 
uh, she says Ral in the show. So, um, but uh, I know it's a. I guess it, everybody pronunciates it a little. There's a different pronunciation in different ways. But um, I I think it 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 really pushes you to hope that she survives. It's like a horror film for her. It and, is. Uh, and the way they set it up, it's really different. So yeah. I I appreciate that film for it being different and not following. It's like Hook when Hook does not follow the typical one two three four of a Peter Pan story. You know what I mean? It does its own thing. And that's what I appreciate it when films do that. So that's just my suggestion. If you want to check out a horror film you've never seen before, I check out Phantom. It is kind of gross and interesting from uh, 1989, I think. But I think you'll really like it. (laughs) Uh, You might. It's it's a very rare and hard-to-find film at this point. Uh, And it's it's very – but if you're into a slasher type of movie, because this is more of a stalking and murdering, but instead of just simply hanging everyone, he's done – horrific murders and yes. it does go back to that evil stalker obsession with christine uh, it's a little bit more true to the book in, in some retrospects yeah. i haven't read the book in such a long time and i want to do it again because i am uh, also obsessed with phantom so uh, phantom and peter pan both like two literary pieces literary pieces including hunchback i just adore so yeah i haven't read all of hunchback i tried to once but it's it's a very slow starter Yes, it is. It is. But if you want to check out something that's more true to the book than the Disney version, which is um, the Paris musical version, it's online. Definitely check that one out because it is different music and it's and it's very dark, very, very dark. But I think you would like that, too, because you, you you seem to be like the gothic. I like the gothic aspect of, of, of uh, literature. So I think you would uh, actually really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, I see. That's the thing. Is I'm weird. I'm very lighthearted and everything. I, I'm I'm very strange because I can go as as we demonstrated in the show. A very very happy Disney. I love me some Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. And then I'll turn the corner and go straight up metal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm very. I have two halves of my personality that really kind of shine. So you know, it's a gothic beauty. But overall, I'm not a very dark person. But I I do enjoy a good scary story every once in a while. But that's the thing. I'm not really into like the modern horror movies but i love old style horror movies and yet i play a lot of survival horror games which are completely different if it was a film i wouldn't watch it but as a game i will play it i'm weird (laughs) yeah no 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 you're not weird at all everybody has their own little preferences you know what i mean and i I don't get to talk a lot about my gothic love you know what i mean for literature uh, a lot so this is great for me i'm I'm so happy that you asked me to be on the show this was this was a lot of fun, so you know, thank you, Jeremy. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> and of course, and thank you for coming along with us and joining in on the Halloween party. I'm sorry I talked your ear off. That's the only <laughs> other thing I, I really do apologize about. No problem, <laughs> <Sorry, here>. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. 
We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.